um, starting in chapter 1, verse 1 of Haggai. I'm never sure exactly how to pronounce that. <laughs> um, it's probably something like, but <laughs> I'm just going to say Haggai because I don't know. Um, there's in the second year of Darius the king, um, that's the same Darius that we read about in Daniel in the lion's den. Um, he was in Persia at the time. This is, this is happening in, in the land of Israel. But the same king was ruling over the whole area. It says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but have never had enough. You drink, and you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the houses that build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts because of my house that lies in ruins. While each of you busies himself with his own house, therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land, and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on all the ground that the ground bring, brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. So what, you, what God is saying here is, saying, look at, look at your lives. You're, you're struggling to survive. Um, everything, you think you work harder, you'll get ahead, but everything you do, it comes to nothing. Um, when you drink, you're still thirsty. When you eat, you're still hungry. When you earn some money, um, you don't know where it goes, but it's gone. And sometimes we, <laughs> we feel that that way, it seems like we're always just in this mode of just just a struggle and trying to make ends meet and to have enough. And um, and I'm going to try hard. I, I know this was speaking to me about some things, but I I don't want to try to give too much interpretation of what God might be wanting to speak to you through it. Um, but just listen to these passages and and see what God has to say to you. Um, in this situation, um, God was saying, it's because of my house. Um, you planned on coming back to build my temple, but you've gotten distracted and taking care of your own houses. It says about their, you're living in your own paneled houses. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> I don't know if that meant that they were doing luxury things when they should have just built the bare necessities and then built his house. I don't know, but but at this time he's saying, look look at your situation. Um, 
your land is cursed, and it's because my house is in ruins. Um, so go get started and build, build my house. Um, and so in verse 12, then, then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. In the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the governor of Judah. And he stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the year of Darius, the, in the second year of Darius the king. Um, I want to pay attention to these dates. This one's saying the 24th day of the sixth month is when they started working on um, building the temple. Going into chapter 2, it says, In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Judah, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who was left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people in the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. And then in verse 10, um, it says, In the 24th day of the ninth month, um, this is exactly three months after they started building the temple, in the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priests answered and said no. Then Haggai said, If someone who is unclean by contact with the dead body, touches any of these, does it become unclean? And the priests answered and said, it does become unclean. I'll just stop and explain that a little bit. I, that was a little bit confusing to me when I first read it. Um, basically, it's saying, um, were these foods, how, how what was in the Old Testament, talked about clean and unclean, and saying if, if something is holy and touches them, it doesn't doesn't do anything. Um, 
they're the same, but if something that is defiled, um, which is, um, if, if you touch something that's dead, then you become unclean for a certain amount of time, and you have to wash and do different things to be able to be clean again. But if something that is unclean touches these foods, then that makes them unclean as well. Um, kind of like what we say, if you have germs on your hands and you touch food, then it, the food becomes germy. But if you touch the food with something that doesn't have germs, it doesn't fix the food. <laughs> um, so, um, verse 14, Then Haggai answered and said, So it is with this people, with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands, what they offer there is unclean. Now then, consider from this day onward. Um, the saying this is, um, actually, let me read a little more. Um, consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. I struck you with all the all the products of your toil and the blight and with blight and with mildew and with hail yet you did not return to me declares the Lord um, so saying your, this people is, is unclean because you haven't turned to the Lord so everything that you do is also unclean um, everything that you touch every sacrifice that you make is unclean because because you're unclean um, and so everything that you've touched has been, been cursed because of because of you. And in verse 18 it says, Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. So he's saying this at this point, three months after they started building the temple, there was still no sign of God's blessing. Um, everything was just as barren or more barren than it was before. Um, but he's saying, because you were faithful during this time of working on building the temple, that from now on I will bless you. Um, a lot of times we kind of get in our head that if we decide we're going to be obedient to God, we're going to start following God, that everything should start going better and and get really frustrated and discouraged when it, when it doesn't. And I can't imagine what it would have been like. These people were struggling already. They spent three months building this temple and not not working in their fields, not trying to make money like they had been um, and God still wasn't blessing them um, but three months later they heard from God and God said from now on I'm going to bless you um, because because you've been, been faithful and obedient to what what I commanded you um, and I'm going to stop there um, and we don't we don't hear what what happened then, or what what that blessing looked like? Um, but we can 
confident that that, that ha that's what happened. Um, and I just I'm really struck struck by this. So, um, just thinking about our house and God's house. Um, that are we we consumed with our house, or are we caring that we're going to give give to God's house? That we're going to be building God's house, um, not not focused on our own, whatever that application is. Um, and it's not talking about um, it's not talking about our physical house only. It's not it's not talking about just our church. It's not talking about um, any of the other things that we we give our lives to, um, but it, it's saying, look, look at look at your whole lives. Look at what you're giving yourself to. Um, give, give your give your lives to me. Um, seek for building building what is is firm. Um, back. Um, Back in chapter 2, verse 6, um, it says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Um, this, this is quoted in Hebrews 12, and, and he says, When it's saying, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, it says this, is, this signifies that it's going to be taking away everything that can be shaken. Um, that everything that is not not God um, is going to be shaken. It's going to be destroyed. Um, and only what can't be shaken will be what is left. Um, he's saying, build, build your life on what, what can't be shaken. Um, give your life to what can't be shaken. Um, Jesus says about give your life for if you were giving your life to make money and to um, build wealth, there, there's, there's moss that can destroy what you've made. There's, there's rust that will rust away what you've made. But give your give your life, give your work to what can't be destroyed. But give your life to heavenly things. Um, I'm going to turn on, turn next to. Um, Matthew chapter 6 um, oh, I guess that's right here um, I guess I'll read it because I was just saying it um, ch chapter 6 verse 19 it says do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither the moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, then the whole body is full of darkness. If then the light in, your, in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will love, be devoted to 
one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more important than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I will tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes, clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, of you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do we spent quite a lot of time talking about this in this Bible study a few months ago and really really stood out to me there's there's two promises in in this passage um, even just in this last verse um, verse 34 therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious about itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble um, first promise is that there's going to be trouble in life. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a promise from God. Um, you will, you'll see it over and over. Um, second promise is that God will take care of you. Um, and the second promise doesn't make any sense without the first one. Um, um, we, when we when we what he's saying here is when you're facing difficulties, what what do you do about it? Um, when you are struggling with not having enough food or enough money to pay your rent or um, all the things that so often come up, um, what, what what do you do? Um, do you try to work harder? Um, try to um, to figure out how to fix it, or do we go to God and and trust Him? And and He's saying, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, this is exactly what God was saying in the book of Haggai. He was saying, build first my house, and all these things that you're spending your time on are going to be taken care of. When you are cursed, you are not going to get anywhere, no matter how hard you work. When you give yourself fully to my house and to building my kingdom, you will be blessed and you'll be taken care of. Um, when we're in a tight spot, it's difficult to think of giving. Um, it's difficult to think of sharing when we're so busy and we don't have 
time enough to even do the laundry or mow the grass, and it's difficult to think of how can we give our time to God? Um, we can barely even take care of ourselves. Um, God's saying, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and I will give you all these other things. I will take care of you. Um, um, it's when, it, when we were reading that verse about tomorrow being, or don't be anxious about tomorrow because tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Um, we're like, oh, that's really encouraging. <laughs> that's really helpful. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's, that's really encouraging. But it actually is because if you don't know that, when you have trouble, you think that God left you. And we think that, oh, something, something's wrong here. Um, it's encouraging because that's true. It's, it, it matches reality. And when we understand, when our understanding of how things work matches reality, that gives us a peace. And that no, we can know, oh, we're having trouble. That's what God said. So we can also be confident in God's promise to take care of us. Um, he talks about a lot of the same things in here. The, your food, your, your drink, your clothes. Same thing that they were struggling with in Haggai. Of we're eating but never have enough. We, we're drinking but never we're always thirsty. And, I, and as I was looking at this, I just began to see how this principle is seen so strongly throughout the whole Bible. Um, um, I was reading in I think it's First Kings seventeen. Um, Elijah had been sent to, sent to the king Ahab and tell him that there's going to be a drought. Um, and after a little while, Elijah didn't have any food or water because there was a drought. <laughs> and he went to a town. Um, he saw a widow out gathering some sticks and he asked her for a drink of water and she went to get him some water from the well and then he said, oh, could you could you get me a cake of bread too? Um, and she was like, well, that's a little more difficult. Um, I was just, just out gathering these sticks because we have just enough flour and oil to make one more loaf of bread and me and my son were going to eat it and then we were going to die. And Elijah says, don't be afraid. Um, go to, he said, but first bring me a loaf of bread. Um, because God says that your oil is not going to run out and your flour is not going to run out until this drought's over. So this woman baked up her last um, food into a loaf of bread and brought it and gave it to Elijah. And her flour didn't run out, and her oil didn't run out, and she kept using that, that flour and oil until um, until the drought was over. Um, and I've always wondered, did she shake her oil jar a little bit before bringing him his bread <laughs> make sure that it was there and I don't know if it was there until she brought him the bread um, but Elijah was asking her give, give me everything if you don't have enough give if 
you don't have what you need, give yourself to me. Um, that's what God is saying. Um, God takes care of us, and he does it when we're trusting in him and giving, giving ourselves to him. He doesn't do it when we're trying to take care of ourselves. Um, probably have all heard the quote from the Bible about God helps those who help themselves, which actually, <laughs> actually isn't there, but that's exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches. Um, God helps those who trust him and who give themselves fully to him. Um, one more passage I want to read um, that as, as you think about this, you, you'll see in so many of the stories of the Bible um, how well, the same thing was happening. People were in need, and so God told them to give. Um, um, I was thinking of the story of Gideon, um, and he had an army of 32,000 men, and the enemy was said it was so many that you couldn't count them. Um, I don't know how many that is, but they basically had zero chance of winning that battle. So God said, I want you to send more than 99% of them home um, because you have too many for me to save you. Um, you have too much that if, if I save you with 32,000 men, you are going to take credit for it. Um, you're going to say it was because we were so mighty that, that I saved you. But if I save you with 300 men, you will know it's me. You won't, you won't be able to take credit for it yourselves. You'll know that it's because God saved you. Um, I want to read one more passage. It's in John chapter 12. Start in verse... Um, we'll speak at the beginning because I have no idea how it applies. Um, start in 23. It says, And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life loses it. But whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And this, this passage is, is talking about Jesus and us. Um, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about it related to Jesus. Um, that this isn't just a principle that God has for us. It's a principle that God lives by himself. Um, that when he wanted us to be his children, that he gave his only son to die for us. Um, he gave his only son to die. Um, he said, unless, unless a, 
turn of weight falls to the ground and dies, it remains alive, but all by itself. Um, but if it dies, then it will produce much fruit. Um, and and it's, it's always felt like I could understand that very well related to Jesus. And he's, he's saying it in the context of the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Um, so I always connected with that with Jesus saying, if I die, then I'm going to, to draw men to myself. I'm going to, um, to save millions of people by, by my death. Um, but when you read this, he's applying it to us as well. Because um, if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And so Jesus is applying it to us. He's saying, whoever, whoever loves his life in this world will lose it. Whoever hates his life um, will have it eternal life um, what does that mean um, it means the same thing as what we've been talking about in the book of Haggai he said if you want if you want life give yourself to building my temple give yourself to my work not your own um, if you want to have me take care of your food and your your drink and your clothing um what do you do? You seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. He um, says, all these things, God knows that you need them, and he loves you. He, he will take, take care of you. Um, but seek first my kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. Give your money to God's kingdom, not to what will build you up or make you look good or um, it's not saying just like, like I'm not saying it all just give it to the church like that's that's not necessarily what what this means but give it to God's work give it to um, building up God's kingdom give it give it to saving saving the lost um, give it to Things that are going to, going to bring honor and glory to God. Um, our, our time is another huge thing. It's very tied in with money because we spend so much time working to make money. <laughs> but but our time is also something that God God wants from us. So give give me your time, both in seeking me. Um, in spending time reading the word, spending time in prayer, but also give your time in ministry and sharing with those who are in need. Give your time in in relating to people that are are hurting. Give it. Give your time to connecting with God's people. Give your time to connecting with people that aren't saved, um, who need to know that God loves them. 
um, God, God does want want all of us. Um, I, I shared this in Sunday school this morning. I, we just got back from from England and flew on the airplane for seven hours, and um, our seats were extremely cramped. Felt like you could barely <laughs> barely move. My shins were right up against the backs of the seat in front of me. So if I tip my seat back at all, then it would push my shins in <laughs> harder into the, the seat in front of me. Um, as we were getting in, we saw all the first class seats up in the front. They were all these big padded seats turned at an angle so they could fully recline. They get special food. They get um, um, extra service. Um, when we were looking at our flights, I didn't know what the difference between first class and regular seats were. But the prices on the first class were ridiculous. Like we were seeing flights that were $20,000 for a ticket for first class compared to the 1000 for our economy seats. Um, the reason I'm saying this is I, I was really struck in reading, reading these passages, especially Jesus' teachings, of what... What it, what it means to follow Jesus um, and how much he's wanting our whole lives and thinking about getting these first class tickets $20,000 is way more than we can afford for tickets um, it, the seats looked really nice um, and it definitely looked like it would be a much more comfortable ride and I could see why people that have lots of money would choose to get the first class seats, but that would be a really big sacrifice for a reclining chair for seven hours, and I figured I could probably put up with being cramped for seven hours, <laughs> save $19,000. <laughs> um, but that, that, that applies to our lives. We've, we've often, looking at our, our life and what it, what it takes to follow God, we generally want to pick the economy seats. We wanted to take the seats that don't don't require a lot of sacrifice. Um, they might we might think it's we're missing out a little bit on nice padded padded seat to heaven, but um, but it's it's a lot a lot less sacrifice to just believe in that Jesus is saving me and um, not give our lives fully to God. But reading in what Jesus talks, he doesn't. He never. He never talks about the easy way. Um, he never talks about the way that doesn't require a sacrifice. The only. The only life he talks about of of living for him is is completely living for him. Of like it says here, those hating your own your life in this world um, compared to um, compared to loving loving this, this life that Jesus really is asking us for our whole lives um, and we can expect that he has tremendous blessings connected with that but that's that's what he, he wants from us is is all of us 
And when we're seeing these struggles in our lives, to say, God, I want to, I want to trust you. I want to give my life completely to you. Um, I don't want to pull back from from serving you because because I need to give everything I have just to survive. Um, some of us are in that place and some of us aren't. Um, but I, probably most of us have been in that point, some point in our lives where, where it was a, a struggle just to know what, where we're going to get money for the next, um, next paying our mortgage or getting food for the next week. Um, and God probably has a different, different, different application of this for each one of us. Um, but I just I spend these last couple minutes just just going to God and say, God, I want to give you my life, um, but I don't know how. Um, I want to I want to live for you, but it's so hard to even just just get by. Um, Go to God. Father God, Lord, we know that you are a great and glorious God. That you love us. That you have such blessings in store for those who follow you and who give their lives for you, God. God, I just ask that each of us, Lord, that you would guide us, Lord, you would reveal in our own lives things that we are living for that's not, that's not you, things that you desire for us to lay down. For your glory, for your kingdom, that what we spend our time on, God, will be honoring to you. So what we put into our minds and our eyes be honoring to you, God. That the ways that we spend our money, God, would be honoring to you. We'd be looking for how to seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, and knowing that we don't have to worry about all these other things in our lives, God, which, which seem so pressing and seem so hard. But we can trust you, God. That when we give everything to you, we'll take care of us. God, we thank you for your amazing grace. speak, that you do direct us, God, that you do reveal yourself, and your great love, Lord, God, I just ask that you would 
guide us in our relationship with you. That we would know you, that we would know your voice, that we would know your love. God, and we just want to put our trust in you. Put our faith completely in you, God. walk in obedience to your word that you have given to us and that you open our eyes to understand. God, I ask that you would guide each one of us to specific areas in our lives, Lord, that, that you want to change, that you want to take care of, that are keeping us from experiencing the wonderful blessings of your kingdom, Lord. Wonderful blessings of your grace. God, I ask that you would open our eyes, that you would set us free from everything that's binding us, everything that's keeping us from, from fully knowing you, from fully loving you. God, I just bless your name. I thank you for your wonderful grace to us. May you forgive us our sins. May you heal us, Lord. May you make us clean in our hearts. May you cleanse our consciences. May you bring us joy in your presence, Lord. God, I'm so grateful and thankful for, for how you've reached out to us, God, in our, in our sin, in our, our deadness, that you loved us and you gave your son to die for us, that you sacrificed everything for us, God. You gave your one and only son in our place, God, we love you. And we thank you that you have given us the name of Jesus to boldly approach you. Come into your presence. God, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you've given to us, God. In the name of Jesus, amen.